0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most unique, entertaining, and compelling sports talk podcast you'll ever listen to. Let's be great. Let's be great. Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Giannis charging down the lane to the rim, double clutch, no good, tipped in. Subscribe, rate, and review anywhere and everywhere you listen to this and all your favorite podcasts. And now, from Washington, D.C., metropolitan area, rip, ruin, and ready to rumble, Wendell Wallace. Time for me to go to work. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. A lot of things going on and discussing today in the world of sports. So you know what? It's time for me to go to work like a boxer. Train the brain to name the Al Fox you Like a punch, my rhyme rock you. Sometimes it knocks you so hard it stops you dead in your track. So power packed. Before you can react, you're flat on your back. Down for the count. Get up and dismount. Because Wendell Wallace here at Wendell's World of Sports is coming with you with an endless amount of knowledge, of education, of what's happening today in the world of sports. Rip, roaring, ready to go. Man, that's what I do. Que pasa mi amigos? Me llamo Wendell Wallace. Wendell's World in Sports. So glad that you could be with us. Bonjour, bonsoir, monsieur. Mademoiselle, je m'appelle Wendell Wallace. Wendell's World in Sports. So glad that you could be with us. Namaste, konnichiwa, shalom, wassalamu Alaikum, my brothers and sisters. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Man, before I go on, as usual, I hope that you're doing everything that you need to do to make your place to make your neighborhood, then make your school district, make your place in this world a better place to be for everybody. Loving, learning, unifying, educating, understanding, listening. Those who might come from the different side of tracks, those who might come from a different background, those who might have different political affiliations, those who might be a different races, faces, and places. Listen, learn, respect those who are bringing you love, peace, unity, education, intelligence, to the table. This world needs more education. This world needs more understanding. This world needs more unity from everybody. So let's see what we can do that and leave the ignorant and leave the disrespectful and leave the oppressors out in the cold where they need to be. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you can be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports today is all about football, man. Today is all about the NFL. Today is all about getting down with the NFL. I put the NBA the bed for the time being. Right now it is all about what's happening in the NFL. There's Season is right around the corner. Some of the storylines for the NFL for the 2021 season. Yeah, I'm going to get to Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'm going to get to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'm going to get to the Buccaneers trying to defend. Yeah, I'm going to get to eventually the Green Bay Packers seeing what they're doing. Yeah, I'm going to get to talk a bit, talking about, is there anybody out there that can play, that can compete with the Kansas City, used to be def- defending champions? We're going to get to all of those things. The one thing, though, just to start things out, before I get into who's going to be the MVP, who's going to be the best quarterback, who's the team that's going to surprise, who's the team that's going to disappoint, what coaches are going to be on the hot seat, before I get into all that minutia, was thinking and speaking and giving my opinions about the NFL. You know, for the first time, I guess since 1978, the league is expanding, going to 17 games. The upcoming regular season is going to begin on Thursday, September 9th, as usual, in terms of the Opening game for the season being on a Thursday. But uh, this season, it'll start September 9th. That's a Thursday. It'll end one week, one week later than usual on Sunday, January 9th, 2022. Speaking about the regular season, then you're speaking about Super Bowl, I guess what we could call this now, 54, 56, somewhere around there. It's going to be played in Inglewood, California. It's also going to be moved back one week. So the Super Bowl, the end of the season, It's going to be February of 2022. Teams for this season is going to continue to have only one bye week during the season. The 17-game regular season is going to also have half of the NFL teams play an extra home game for each season. The 17th game will be hosted by all teams from one conference on a rotating basis so for instance this season every afc team will host nine regular season games while the nfc teams will host eight and then in 2022 the nfc is going to host the ninth game while the afc does the eighth game so it'll go back and forth back and forth of course that agreement was reached collectively collectively bargained back in march of 2020 gave the team owners the option to add an extra regular season game if the league sign the new media deal, which it did Remember we were talking about how huge it was for the NFL To uh, go ahead and negotiate a much higher rate for his media rights Well, the new deal, which is more than $100 billion $100 billion How would you like to own an NFL football team? The new media rights deal, $100 billion nearly double the amount of the expiring contract, man. We can talk about all this nonsense. Remember back in the day, remember all these jackasses and these fools you were talking about because the NFL was quote-unquote becoming woke because the NFL, you had Colin Kaepernick taking a kneel. Remember all that bullshit? Remember all that nonsense? Remember when we let the ignorant folks, a.k.a certain Trump uh, followers. Remember when we let those jackasses try to uh, convince the masses that the NFL was uh, going down and they would take a look and they would be speaking about TV ratings and, oh, you know, because of Colin Kaepernick and, oh, you know, because of these black folks and these white folks want to get together and unify and take a knee and do all these type of things. Because of that, they're turning off everybody. The population, the sports fans, they don't want to see that nonsense. They don't want to see that bullshit. All they want to do is have these guys shut up and play football. And because of that, uh, you know, you had the narrative that these idiots were talking about that. Oh my goodness gracious! Football is going by the wayside. The NFL is a dying breed. You take a look at the uh, numbers. You take a look at the TV ratings. and know, oh, the NFL is at its lowest point, and the ratings every year is going down, down, down. And sooner or later, it's all going to be eradicated as far as the NFL, uh, its importance is concerned, and all that kind of nonsense. Again, for all you fools on Twitter, for all you fools. Who commented on facebook stories for all you fools who also commented on the yahoo stories should i mention to you clowns one more time the nfl just renegotiated a contract for its media rights which is worth over 100 billion dollars does this sound like a league that's shrinking the does, does that sound like a league that's losing its popularity does that sound like a league that is feeling the brunt or the, 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 the pain and the suffering of what Colin Kaepernick, the revolution that he started? Do we have a clue out there in Harrison, Arkansas? Do we have a clue out there in Fort Thice, Georgia? Do we have a clue out there in some places in rural Mississippi and Alabama and Florida and Michigan and Tennessee and all over this country who want to sit there and, and pontificate on some bullshit like the NFL is a dying breed? Can you inbreeds please pick up a book, first learn how to read, and then... Use some common sense and take a look at this. We love the NFL, baby. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. That was your great, great grandparents' country. We're now talking about it. Football, and it's all about football. So, again, because the NFL negotiated that $100 million, $100 billion deal, that meant that it's going to be more money for everybody. So, look, you know, I know that Aaron Rodgers and Richard Sherman and a couple of other folks quote-unquote leaders as far as the players' union was concerned or is concerned. I know that when they were talking about, hey, man, the NFL is up here talking about, you know, or the owners or the union is up here talking about, we want to go ahead and we want to uh, protect the players. I mean, we don't want to see what happened to um, uh, uh, these players That happened to players from generations ago where they're suffering some debilitating or a lot of debilitating injuries, brain injuries, head injuries, neck injuries. CTE has become an issue dealing with concussions. The NFL and the players union and the ownership and the union went through all that nonsense for decades. And um, so the NFL with Roger Goodell is up here talking about, man, you know, our main concern is the safety of these players. Just not from a day-to-day, year-to-year while they're still employed with their friends type of time period, we're also speaking about when these guys get older, when these guys reach their 40s and their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, we want to see these guys in their senior citizen years have the quality of life that they deserve. So Richard Sherman and Aaron Rodgers and Malcolm Jenkins and other folks, they take a listen to that and they say, okay, well, wait a minute here. If you're so doggone serious about trying to save our vitality, if you're just trying to save the amount of years that we have in terms of when we stop playing and some of the things that we're going to go through, look, we already know football being football especially playing at the nfl there's nothing that you can do there's nothing that the nfl can legislate there's nothing that the nfl as far as rules can put into place even if you had the entire situation even if you had the entire idea of hey look what can we do to go ahead and ensure that make sure that you guys have the highest quality of life possible we'll throw that idea to the players and then the players can come up with an idea in terms of this is what we want, this is what we need, this is how the game should be played, this is how the game should be regulated, and we'll not ask just the quarterbacks or the running backs, we'll ask the offensive linemen, we'll ask the defensive tackles, we'll ask the safeties, the linebackers, we'll ask everybody, so it's just not going to be skewed to one prominent position and that's it. Because we see offensive linemen, defensive linemen all the time talking about, man, we feel like second-class citizens because all the rules are being skewed to the quarterbacks and making sure that they're protected. The rules are being skewed to the wide receivers to make sure that they're protected. And, you know, as far as the offensive line is concerned, the defensive line is concerned, man, we get nothing. Absolutely nothing in terms of trying to to, uh, protect our safety. So if you gave the idea... If you gave the assignment, the chore, for the player to say, okay, look, we're just going to step back. You tell us what we can do to make sure that um, we can have a better quality of life, that we can make the game even safer. safer." There's really nothing that you can do. If you play football, you know that by the time you hit your 50s and your 60s that your knees are going to be messed up, your fingers are going to be messed up, you're going to have arthritis, you're going to have pain, your quality of life is not going to be as high if you didn't, play football. That's the deal. That's the agreement. And the amazing thing is, is the love that these guys have for playing football, even the Jim Plunkets of the world, who now, in their older age, in their senior citizen's age, dealing with pain every single day. Jim Plunkett is like me, man. Every single moment I'm breathing air, I'm hurting because of what I went through playing football i mean i'm not even talking about cte or uh you know everything the symptoms and some of the uh things that people nfl players who are dealing with that uh have to go through every day jim Plunkett is just talking about every day just doing the easy things the things that we take take for granted like walking standing i'm in pain I mean, I'm in pain and he's not the only one, you know, a high percentage. These guys are like, I'll go, you know, and the question is always like, well, if you, you know, you're in such pain and this, that, and the other, if you know then what you knew, what you would be going through right now, would you still go back and do it? And those guys would be like, "Oh yeah, in a heartbeat." I mean, if you, if I could go back and play again, knowing that this is what my life would be like right now, oh yeah, I'd do it in a heartbeat because I love the game, love the camaraderie and everything like that. So the NFL is not looking to if, if you turn the if you turn the assignment as far as what can we do to make the NFL safer to the players. They, they wouldn't turn this into flag football or touch football. No. But um, one thing that I bet the majority of them would do would be like, hey, look, man, number one, Thursday night football, get it out of here. And uh, 17 games, not happening. But then when we speak about how much money that the league is making and how much more money that the players could make if they did go to a 17-game season, a lot of the players or enough of the players union acquiesced and said, all right, man, we can go ahead and play 17 games. Screw it. Wendell's World and Sports, the podcast. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So it's a money grab in terms of going 17 games for the regular season. It's a money grab for the players because during negotiations on the labor contract last year, the players like Richard Sherman and Aaron Rodgers, as I mentioned before, opposed adding a 17 game, a 17th game to the regular season, but the owners won over those players from the union by bumping up the share of their NFL revenue from 48 and percent up to 48 and percent from 47% under the old deal. So the NFL players are going to be getting a lot more money. And also when you take a look at it, you know, the teams depending upon when they clinch a playoff spot or when they clinch a uh, division title, these guys aren't playing sixteen games anyway. A lot of these times, when you have these players who, or when you have these teams, who clinch a um, division title with two weeks remaining in the seven in in, in the uh, in the season, say week fifteen or something like that, they're barely playing their starters to begin with. So now, when you're speaking about week seventeen, look, I'm quite sure. That You take a look, there's going to be some games where teams are going to have to play in terms of, look, we're fighting for a playoff position, so yeah, we're going to go full board. You have some coaches like Bill Belichick who are old school by saying, look, we got to get ourselves ready to go into the playoffs, and we're going to be playing our starters like it's just a regular game, even though we have uh, won the division, even though we have clinched a playoff berth. In fact, when the Patriots were 15-0 years ago going into the final regular season game against the New York Giants the year that... Tom Brady threw for 200 touchdowns and Randy Moss caught 150 of them. But going into that season, going into that final game against the New York Giants, the Patriots were undefeated. Bill Belichick was like, no, I'm not sitting in the of my guys. We're going to be playing that game like it was a regular season. Not only did he play Randy Moss, not only did he play Tom Brady, he played, he played that game like it was a playoff game, like it was a Super Bowl. The Patriots wound up winning 35-31, and we all know what happened in the Super Bowl. But, you know, each coach has its different type of philosophy. Belichick, one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach who's ever uh, coached in the NFL. Then you have someone like a Tony Dungy who would rest Peyton Manning and his team when he was the coach of the Indianapolis Colts once they clinched a playoff berth or once they clinched a uh, division title. So, you know, it all plays into the narrative of what is your team, where is your team, how is your team physically, mentally going into those final games. So if you're a team like maybe the Baltimore Ravens, if you're a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you're a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you're a team like the Green Bay Packers, if you're the team like the Kansas City defending, used to be champions, if you're one of those teams, if you're one of those elite teams and you've already wrapped up your division, depending upon how quickly and how early you did that, What's really a 17th game to a Patrick Mahomes if he's not going to play because the Kansas City football team had already clinched the division? What does a 17th game mean to a Tom Brady if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have already clinched their division a couple of weeks ago or the week before that? So, um, you know, from 17, yeah, it sounds, or 17 games to 16 games. Hey, man, you know what? One more game means another opportunity for someone to uh, suffer an injury. But also, if you're a team that's struggling, it's also a good uh, way for uh, these guys, for that 17th game, to get in there and get more reps. If you're a team that has a rookie quarterback or playing a quarterback, young quarterback, and let's say, for instance, maybe uh, somewhere, someone, for instance, like a Justin Fields, who by all accounts is not going to be starting this regular season, Andy Dalton is, or someone like a Trey Lance, who all indications are he's in the lead to start the regular season for San Francisco, but still Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in there. Let's just say, for instance, throwing out a number game four, Justin Fields start. The 17th game for Justin Fields is going to be very important for him to continue to get those reps, for continuing to get that experience, to continue to uh, do what he did what he's been what you know what he's doing once he became the uh, starting quarterback so sometimes you can use that 17th game if you're a team that doesn't have playoff aspirations that you can use that game as another opportunity to get some of those guys that you're going to be counting on when your team finally does become um uh, uh, good enough to apply or good enough to play in the playoffs you can use that game as a springboard you can use that game for a rookie quarterback or some of your rookies and young players to uh, use that as a springboard for confidence to get them going for the next season. So any way that you look at it in terms of the 17th game, hey, man, you can look at that as a negative. You can take a look at that as a positive. If You want to take a look at that as a negative and take a look at that as a negative while listening to Wendell's World of Sports with yours truly, Wendell Wallace, here in the podcast. If you want to go ahead and take a look at many, many players sit there and they say, well, you know, if we go ahead and we play 17 games, that increases the opportunity for players to get injured. All right. Well, that that, that might be true. There's some truth to the rumor of that. But, but let me ask you something. Bill Belichick said something very poignant. I think when Rob Gronkowski got hurt, when he was uh, special teams, he was an all-pro, one of the best wide receivers in the game. And I think it was a game against the – the New York Jets, and uh, he went ahead on the special teams. He was trying to block a field goal on special teams, and he got injured, and he got injured. And after the game, um, when we didn't know or they didn't know the magnitude of the injury, the reporter was like, I mean, you know, you've got Gronkowski, Coach, and he's the best wide receiver. He's the best tight end in the game. Why do you have him playing special teams? I mean, that increases his opportunity to become injured. And Bilichek looked at him and said, Well, you know, playing football. If you can if you can tell me when a player is going to be injured, let me know when I won't play him. Which is basically to say, Hey man, you know, on any given play you can be injured. So, it just so happened that it had to be this one. Now, if you want to make the argument, if you're going to be injured, if you're Rob Gronkowski, if you're Bill Belichick and you have a weapon like Rob Gronkowski, if he's going to suffer an injury, I want to see him suffering an injury doing what he does best, which is playing offense, playing tight end, not trying to block a field goal. If you want to do that, fine. But just remember, you're you and Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick as far as football acumen is concerned, all right? But... You know, the more regular season games mean more opportunities for injuries. Injuries, devastating injuries, season-ending injuries, career-ending injuries can happen anytime. time. Everybody talks about, well, you know, 17 games. Well, number one, Goodell comes out and says, look, we're going to play 20 games because we're not playing the fourth, uh, fourth preseason game. And instead, we're going to play 17 games. How many times have we seen an injury happen in preseason? You remember Michael Vick, 2003 against the Baltimore Ravens, third and sixth from the Atlanta five-yard line. Vick chased out of the pocket, was tackled by Adelius Thomas, and guess what? Oops, he broke his right leg and was out for 10 games. Fell on his right leg, broke his fibula, was out for the next 10 games. Remember Trent Green? Back when uh, he was with the uh, St. Louis Rams back in 1999. Signed by the Rams after two seasons with Washington. That was supposed to be the crown jewel for Dick Vermeil, Resurrecting his career after being burned out by coaching the Philadelphia Eagles. Came back and Trent Green was supposed to be that guy. Big free agent acquisition. Tore knee ligaments on a low hit by Rodney Harrison in a preseason game. Against the San Diego Chargers at home. And remember afterwards, a tearful Dick Vermeil was talking about, we're going to go with Kurt Warner, and we're going to be all right. And the first thing I thought about when he said well, he's going to go with Kurt Warner, I said, how are you going to go with Kurt Warner? Kurt Warner used to be the running back for the Seattle Seahawks. What are you talking about? There's a quarterback named Kurt Warner? Never heard of him. Know nothing about him. Well, very quickly, the guy from Northern Iowa who was uh, stacking groceries became the real Kurt Warner and, you know, the rest is history, becoming the quarterback for the St. Louis Rams that year. But, you know, we speak about some of the worst injuries in NFL history happened in the preseason. Stone Johnson of the Kansas City Chiefs, if you want to go back a little bit, 1963. He died less than two weeks after sustaining a severe neck injury while blocking... On a kickoff return in an AFL exhibition game against the Houston Oilers. Anybody remember Daryl Stingley? I know for all my old heads out there who are listening to this uh, podcast. Do you remember Daryl Stingley? Eric G, do you remember Daryl Stingley? Armando Vasquez, do you remember Daryl Stingley? Mark Lawrence, do you remember Daryl Stingley? New England Patriots, 1978, remember? Yeah, he was one of the better wide receivers back in the day. Entering the sixth NFL season. Hitting the neck had his neck broken in a preseason game on a hit by jack tatum which left stingley as a quadriplegic in fact not only was there no flag thrown on the play patriots coach chuck fairbanks said he didn't even think the hit was illegal that's how barbaric the nfl was back then and you know the assassin jack tatum I know Jerome Friedland is all about the Oakland Raiders and the Los Angeles Raiders and now the Las Vegas Raiders and know all that history. All We all know about uh, Jack Tatum, right? Stick'em, Lester, Lester Hayes, and that group. Well, Jack Tatum was known as a, uh, as a hitter, and uh, you put the hit on Daryl Stingley and basically, you know, as I mentioned before, became a quadriplegic. I don't even think Jack Tatum, who... Um, when he died, I think he was suffering from diabetes and had his leg amputated, but I don't think there was ever a sincere apology from Jack Tatum, the Daryl Stingley. And as I mentioned before, no f- flag was thrown and Chuck Fairbanks, it wasn't like, you know, I don't like black people. So hip, hip hooray, a guy is uh, a guy is paralyzed, but what, well, you know, at the time that was just what happened in the NFL. So what they hit dirty for Chuck Fairbanks, he said no. And back then in 1978, no, it wasn't. The bottom line is that these things happen in a preseason game. So adding one more game is not going to all of a sudden, there's not going to be a rash of injuries happening the 17th week or the last game of the season. Again, a devastating injury can happen anytime, anywhere. It can happen the first preseason game. It can happen the first game of the regular season. It can happen the last game of the regular season. It can happen the first game of the playoffs. It can happen the last play on this, in, in the Super Bowl. Tim Crumrine of the Cincinnati Bengals basically destroyed his knee and was never the same player again the first opening moments of of the Super Bowl when the Cincinnati Bengals played the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, was it Leslie Frazier, I think, um, for the Chicago Bears in the blowout against the New England Patriots 46-10 to in 1985? In a, you know, game was all out of, out of control, out of hand. Leslie Frazier blew out his knee, you know, in, 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 in a time when those guys were celebrating because the game was almost over. So, I mean, what are we talking about here? When we're speaking about, well, you know, we need to, go ahead and think about if we're going to add a 17th game. Now, if the NFL started going 22, 23, 24 games, yeah, I think maybe that might be a little bit, whoa, slow down, Chief. But, you know, I think that when we're speaking about these opportunities for, or greater opportunity for these players to get injured, hey, man, Teddy Bridgewater suffered, damn near had his knee amputated, almost needed to have his knee amputated after suffering a dislocated knee and a torn ACL when he went down during a non-contract contact drill at practice in 2016. Deshaun Watson in 2017 suffered a torn ACL during a team practice when he went down during a normal drill running a read option on a grass field. So, this is a situation where, hey man, if it's going to happen it's going to happen so yeah, it, my only thing and again roger Goodell's talking about hey look we're going to play 20 games so yeah it looks might it, you know the players might be fussing and cussing and disagreeing because of the 17 games a they're going to get paid more or b they're going to have more money to um dish amongst themselves but B, there's going to be only 20 games and again if you're so uh concerned about that The NFL has load management, game management. I understand 16 games in the NFL. You're not going to see Peyton Manning. Of course you're not going to see Peyton Manning. He's no longer playing. You're not going to see Tom Brady. You're not going to see some of these guys take week nine off because of load management. I get that. I understand that. But again, if you clinch your division early, if you clinch a playoff game early, you can navigate and you know for the final weeks of the season again we already have a situation where week 16 or week 17 or game 16 for these teams right now teams that have already clinched their division already clinched their playoff berth they're not playing their starters to begin with so you know there there we go so i'm 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 not too concerned about the injury issue my my thing has always been with the NFL i invest so much time especially the NFL Georgetown basketball and the NBA. I invest so much time, energy, into doing this. By the time the Super Bowl comes, I'm exhausted. I don't want to see any more football. I don't want to hear about football. I don't want to be dealing with the NBA. Or excuse me, with the NFL. I don't want to hear anything about the NFL. Man, for 16 flipping weeks, man, we're speaking about four months. We're speaking about September, October, November, December, into January. My Sundays, I do nothing except sit in my place and watch football. That's all I do. And when you speak about September, October, November, and then a little bit of December, my Saturdays and my Sundays are all about watching football. Now, you could call me a loser. You could call me I have no life. You could call me pathetic in a clown show and... In some particulars, in some measure, you'd be right. But for me, it's like Saturdays and Sundays, I've done this for so long. Time for me to invest all my energies and efforts and passions and focus and attention on football. So when the college football season ends in January and then the... um. NFL season ends once the playoffs begin, because now I can just say, whoa, I can actually go out and do something on the weekend now. I can actually go ahead and think about something else on a Saturday and a Sunday other than watching football. So when the NFL season's over, when the college football season's over, just like the NBA season when Georgetown finally loses in the first round of the Big East tournament and their season ends, it's like, man, I can almost kind of exhale I'm not burned out, but I'm just tired. I just want to go ahead and do something else. I might be the exception to that rule when it comes to the NFL. You know how many people are always experiencing withdrawal symptoms? Sports fans, when the NFL season's over... And they're like, man, I can't believe it. The NFL season's over. Now I got to wait a few more months. And I mean, they start licking their chops in terms of when the schedule comes out, when the free agency period happens, when uh, the draft starts taking place. And they can go ahead and start talking about their team needs this offensive tackle and this defensive uh, end and this wide receiver and which quarterback is going to be available and this, that, and the other. It's not too long of a down period for those who are sports fans, to all of a sudden, after the Super Bowl is over, start talking about football again. And man, do I miss football, this, that, and the other, because you only have the dog days of the NBA and the um, dog days of college uh, college basketball. For me, I think that's awesome. If I'm in the NFL, when the Super Bowl ends, and that next day, I want my fans, I want my ticket holders, I want my season ticket holders, I want those who buy the merchandise, I want those who financially contribute to my billion dollar league, my multi-multi-billion dollar league, I want them yearning for more, I don't ever want my fans to be like Wendell Wallace and be like, man, I'm glad that's over with, I cannot wait for the season to be over, I cannot wait. For the Super Bowl to be over, this, that, and the other. I want my fans wanting more. Because that's the best business model right there. You always leave them wanting more. You know what I'm saying? That's why I don't do three and a half hour podcast anymore. Because I want my fans to be yearning for more. They say, what, man? You're only going an hour and 45 minutes? You're only going two hours? You're only going two hours and 15 minutes? No, man. We need some more talk about what's happening with Georgetown. We need some more NBA talk. We need some more NFL talk. We need some more Boise State Broncos talk. We need some more talk about serial killers. We need some more talk about how you hate skanks. We need some more talk about Ted Bundy and Wayne Williams and John Wayne Gacy and all those other nonsense and Roy Hazelwood and and those guys. We need some more talk, not less, more. I want to leave you guys wanting more when you download, subscribe, and review My podcast, just like the NFL, when the regular season playoffs and the Super Bowl is over, you want the fans wanting more. And the anticipation for free agency, the anticipation for the draft, the anticipation for when the schedule for next season is released, the anticipation of OTAs, the anticipation of all that stuff becomes greater. Instead of being like, hey, man, no more, please. Please, no more NFL. I've I've, I've had enough. Leave them full. Don't leave them famished. Leave them full, but don't leave them with the belly sticking out and their belt undone and they're like, oh, boy, heartburn and all that kind of nonsense. No, nah, you leave them wanting more. So for me, hey, man, keep it. I would rather have an NFL be in 14 games. I would rather have the NFL start in September and end in January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. September, or we're speaking about seven and a half months before the league starts up again. Now I know financially that's never going to happen. I understand that. But um, I'm one of these guys where, hey, look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm Jones for football. In February, I was like, no more football. I don't want to hear about football. I don't want to talk about football. Throughout the summer, when this whole Aaron Rodgers deal was going down, Deshaun Watson, what's going to be happening with him? And Russell Wilson, does he want to be traded from Seattle or not? And all of this nonsense, Carson Wentz was whining and moaning and finally got his way out of Philadelphia to Indianapolis and... When, you know, all this stuff was being talked about, nobody was speaking about what was happening in Major League Baseball. No one was really getting down and speaking about what's happened with the NBA Finals to the respect, to the level that they should have been in my opinion, because everybody was so worried about Aaron Rodgers and if he wants to be traded and why he wants to be traded and who he's going to be traded to and all this nonsense. And then before we found out that he was a little bit of a perv that uh, the Sean Watson and the Houston Texans situation and what they're going to do with him. And before that, Russell Wilson comes out on on a day when he's supposed to be accepting his man of the year award, the Walter Payton man of the year award. And then he talks about how much he's getting sacked and This needs to change, and if I were to play somewhere else, these are the teams I'd like to play, or some nonsense like that. All of this stuff caught the eye. All of this stuff caught the ear. All of this stuff became the attention of those who were speaking about what was happening with sports. And I was just like, I can't do this. I do a podcast, but I just can't do this. Because it's Aaron Rodgers, because this country is so bent over backwards and so in love and so addicted to the NFL, that I got to say something about it, of course, when you're speaking about Rodgers and Deshaun Watson and such, but uh, I don't want to do this shit no more, I don't want to talk about this shit anymore, I don't want to care about this shit anymore, when Aaron Rodgers gets traded, let me know, when Deshaun Watson gets traded, let me know, if Russell Wilson gets traded, let me know, until then, no more speculation, we can speculate, a little bit, but please, man, no more I'm not going to be doing a podcast one or two times a week talking about, well, what's going to be happening with Aaron Rodgers now? Well, Aaron Rodgers said this. What did this mean? Well, Deshaun Watson hadn't said anything, so what did that mean? Well, what did Russell, well, it's like, nah, man, no, 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 no. To placate you guys, I'll go ahead and talk about that a little bit, but uh, no, I can't do that. So, you know, anything for these folks out here, and I guess the majority of folks who follow sports, anything that's football-centric, That's NFL related, regardless of the time period, regardless of the time of the year, we're going to be speaking about. My main deal is speaking about the games, man. My main deal is speaking about when the season actually starts. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I love. That's what I'm at my most passionate about the NFL. But, um, you know, a lot of folks aren't like that. So they go ahead and they talk about it and they talk about it again. This all leads back to me saying, hey man, if we played 15 games, if we played 14 games, do you know how much hunger, do you know how much anticipation, do you know how much more love the folks would have for the NFL? I think there'd be more love for the NFL if they played less games than if they did playing more games because you're insatiating the NFL brand by giving them an extra meal. By giving them extra you know, they want more food and yeah, you're you know, like when you're a child or when your husband or when your wife or when your girlfriend or whenever, they say, Give me more, give me more, give me more, 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 and you're like, nah, man, you gotta watch your way, sweetheart. You're getting a little bit big, you know, you need to not have another piece of marble cake. Nah, man, put that ice cream down. You don't need that shit. Hey man, put away that twinkie. You don't need to be eating any more of that shit. You're too fat to begin with. Could be speaking about me in spades. But um, yeah, because you want them still to be feeling a little bit Like I want some more when they're done from the dinner plate. You know, the NFL now with this 17th game is like we had the appetizer. We had the main course. We had the dessert. Now you're going to give them another slice of uh, another slice of uh, chocolate cake. You know what happens when you eat too much? You know what happens when you eat too many goodies? You become fat. You become out of shape. You become more potential to have disease. We don't want that with the NFL. Leave them wanting more. 14 games. Not going to 14, financially impossible, understood. But 17, all right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Now, me, usually the last game of the seasons, I really don't watch too much, especially if we're speaking about, you know, there's always a game where it's like, it has playoff implications. But um, for the most part, those are just games where, look, I mean, if your team is out of the playoffs, the stadium is half empty. um, The starters aren't playing. So it's almost a glorified, for a lot of these teams in the NFL, it's a glorified preseason game to begin with. It just so happens to be at the end of the season and not in the preseason, so 17 games, all right, I'm down with it, but hey, you know what, same thing with the NBA, did the NBA really do 82 games, really, we can't get along with the NBA at 65, 72 games instead of 82, again, understood why they go 82, money, 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 but hey man, I always say with the sports league, and of course, the billion billion dollar owners, Know a lot more about how to make money than me, of course. But I say, you know, 17 games? Nah. Keep it 16 and have the public, have the sporting public, have the sports fans, when your season's over, clamoring, yearning for more football. was a fete before I became a teen, I melted microphones instead of codes, and ice cream, music orientated. So when hip-hop was originated, fitted like pieces of puzzles, complicated. Cause I grabbed the mic and try to say yes, y'all. Sure. They try to take it and say that I'm too small. Cool, cause I don't get upset. I kick a hole in the speaker, pull a plug, then I jet back to the lab without a mic to grab. So then I add all the rhymes I had. One after the other one, then I make another one to diss the opposite, then ask if the brother's done. I a like I for nicotine, but I don't need a cigarette, know what I mean? the stage sound amazing? Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. Speaking about, talking about, opinionating about what's happening in the world of sports. I'm not the R to the A to the K I am. And if I wasn't, then why would I say I am? The greatest of them all. Rakim Alar. Sorry, Biggie. Sorry, Tupac. Sorry, M. The greatest of them all, in my opinion. The R, the A to the K I am. Rakim Alar. Funny. um, I was up in Mesquite. Mesquite, Nevada. At the high school. And uh, I I was in an English class. And near the end of the period, getting ready to go. There's like 15 minutes left to go. Um, a couple of Hispanic guys, you know, we're up there doing a the rap, you know, we're up there putting together a rap This guy. Leo wants to become a rapper. All right. Fine. this, that, and the other. So this guy's up here. you know, today's rap is, is you know, and I, I, it's time for me to say, get off my lawn. I'm going to be the get off my lawn guy. Yeah, I grew up with Heavy D and Big Daddy Kane and Rock Kim and E.P.M.D. and Public Enemy and and all those guys. And I transitioned to uh, you know the Big L and I transitioned to Gang and I transitioned to Big Pun and I transitioned to Nas and I transitioned to those guys. And around at the end of the uh, I guess mid 90s, that's when a little bit closer to the 2000s, I guess 95 and really slowed down around 98. That's when my uh, real love for rap music kind of start started to wane a little bit. Well. You know the Cool G raps stopped uh, coming out with stuff. The uh, the CL Smooth started stopped coming out with stuff, and there were some good rappers out there lyric wise. But for the most part, you know it was it was starting to get into the you know the garbage that we have now today's rap. I'm sorry, it's just garbage. I'm sorry, Russell Simmons. You need to stop raping women and uh, trying to make that lie about trying to state that lie about. Um, today's rap is better than it's ever been that's bullshit that's nonsense that's ridiculous that's a slap in the face that's an insult to big that's an insult to big l that's a big insult to big pun that's an insult to big daddy that's an insult to rakim that's an insult to uh, all those guys it's an insulted to, to both it's, it's just an insult to uh, all those guys so you know a lot of today's rap from what i hear from the kids from what they're playing and just from what i hear in general it's just a bunch of Dumbass motherfuckers up there with the same shit, the same line, and it all sounds the same. Shit, bitch, nigga, motherfucker, shit, the nigga fucker, bitch, shit, nigga, motherfucker, bitch, nigga, bitch, motherfucking hell, shit, nigga, hood nigga. It's like, man, can y'all? I mean, what, what, what the hell is the ditch, bitch, motherfuckers, shit, nigga, motherfucker, yeah, smoke a blunt, nigga, fuck a bitch, shit. That's 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 the only thing they got going. And I understand I'm being facetious, and I understand it's not all that, and I'm not quite sure if I dug a little bit deeper that there'd be plenty more avenues, plenty more styles, and plenty more deals. But, you know, compared to what I grew up with and all the stuff that's listening, that I'm listening to now, which is supposed to be like the bee's knees for these kids listening to this bullshit, it's bitch, motherfucking shit, nigga, motherfucking bunch, but it's like same shit. So my man Leo, who's Hispanic, from Mesquite, lives in Mesquite, up there, and he's putting these rhymes together, and I'm just eavesdropping. I'm not minding my own business. I'm like, you know, kind of walking by and listening to what he's putting down, what he's spitting. And it's like the same bullshit not without the nigga shit, bitch, motherfucker, nigga. I'm like, Leo, Leo, okay. N- number one, number one, stop trying to sound like these clowns that you hear, that you're listening to right now, okay? Number one, you up here talking about bitch, nigga shit, motherfucker, nigga, bitch, smoke a blunt, this, that. You are in Mesquite, Nevada, Okay? There ain't no street cred available from Mesquite, Nevada. Stop it. Stop it. Stop talking about hood nigga rap bitch motherfucking bitch fucker bitch. Stop it. Stop it. Because you're in Mesquite, Nevada. So just just stop it. Just stop it. Man, if you're going to rap, if you're going to put something down, if you're going to spit some lyrics, if you want to be a lyricist, man talk about what's surrounding you out here talk about something that you know don't be trying to copycat some of these clowns out here who are that you're listening to right now man Try to come up with something. I mean, you're Hispanic. You live in Nevada. Excuse me. You live in Mesquite. Somehow, some way, craft your rhymes toward that. And if you want to go more hood, if you want to go more street, if you want to do this, that, and the other, maybe down the line, when you start to experience some of those situations, maybe you can put into your rhymes and go that way. But man, this kid's up there, bitch, motherfucker, nigga, shit, bitch, hood rap. Bitch. It's like, come on, man, hood really? Hood? Where? Where is there a hood in 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 Mesquite, Nevada? What hood are we talking about, Leo? There ain't no fucking hoods up here, man. (laughs) Jeez, man. Learn the craft. Learn how to rhyme. Learn how to put words together with with, with thoughts and with meaning. So when you spit out the lyrics and you're talking about something that you believe in, then it'll be something um, that that, that you'll be able to uh, become much more accomplished in. You know? Man. Do I got to teach you fucking kids everything? windows world and sports i'm your host wendell wallace so glad that you could be with us, bitch motherfucking nigga shit bitching on jesus windows world and sports i'm your host yeah get off my lawn you got that right windows world and sports i'm your host wendell wallace so glad that you could be with us all right storylines for the 2021 nfl season The season's going to be starting pretty soon so as i continue making my podcast as i continue putting down my stuff For my podcast, I'm going to be talking more and more about other things in terms of, hey, man, what's up with Kansas City? Is there going to be anybody in the AFC that's going to be able to challenge them? Is it going to be Buffalo? Is it going to be Cleveland? Is it going to be Pittsburgh? Is it going to be Miami? What's going to be happening with New England? Are we now looking at the downside of the dynasty? Just like the San Antonio Spurs, there's been so many parallels between the San Antonio Spurs and basketball and the... New England Patriots in football, the, the the comparisons and the parallel between the tandem of Popovich-Duncan, Belichick, Brady, the long-term success that each organization had, how they're lauded, how they're applauded, how they're put on a pedestal, how they're mimicked, how they're studied so they can be done the same way, how assistant coaches and personnel and front office management from the Spurs, from the... Patriots have all gotten jobs, had coaching jobs, general managing jobs, other jobs because they want to learn the Spurs way just like they want to learn the Patriots way. Well, keeping in comparison and parallels, now with the retirements of Tony Parker and Monty Ginobili and Tim Duncan, the San Antonio Spurs are now, you could say, are in a rebuilding phase. They are no longer the dynasty. They are no longer the juggernaut that they were when they were the dynasty of the NBA during their time period with Popovich and Duncan and such. Same thing now with the New England Patriots. Now that Tom Brady is gone and playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, now for the first time in the longest, the New England Patriots failed to make the playoffs. And now they're going to try to regroup. Now they're going to try to see what they can do to um, get back in the position to be that way. Just like the San Antonio Spurs are going ahead with a youth movement. They went ahead and said goodbye to Rudy Gay. They went ahead and said goodbye to DeMar DeRozan. And now they're going to be one of the younger teams in the NBA. With the New England Patriots, what's it going to be with the um, quarterback position? Are we going to still go with the veteran Cam Newton? Or we are going to... Not start from ground zero because that's not how Bill Belichick operates. I mean, Belichick is the guy who's going to be playing somebody who's going to give the team the best chance to win, not in three years, not in five years, but in one week or whenever the season starts September 12th against the Miami Dolphins. Is that going to be the rookie al- Alabama and Mac Jones or is it going to be the veteran former MVP for the Carolina Panthers back in 2015, Cam Newton? I'll discuss that situation a little bit later on. In this podcast, but those are just some of the storylines that I'm going to be talking about before the season starts. This upcoming, um, this, this, this upcoming NFL season when the regular season starts. So, of course, I guess you can say one of the main topics of discussion, one of the main storylines for the 2021 season here on Wendell's World and Sports Podcast with yours Truly, Wendell Wallace is: Can the Tampa Tom Buccaneers repeat? as Super Bowl champions. Now, Tampa returns all 22 starters from their Super Bowl team. No team has done that in this salary cap era, which began in 1994. And no team has done that since the 1977 Oakland Raiders winning the Super Bowl 32-14 over the Minnesota Vikings, then making it to the AFC Championship game after a tremendous divisional championship game that went into double overtime against the then Baltimore Colts, and then a loss to the Denver Broncos, who went on to play the Dallas Cowboys and lost that Super Bowl 27-10. to So just because you bring back the majority of your players from the Super Bowl, does not automatically win mean that you'll win the Super Bowl the next season, just ask the 1977-78 Oakland Raiders but you know you you take a look at the team you take a look at the key members that return for Tampa Bay both offensively and defensively when you're speaking about Shaquille Barrett and Levante David and Chris Goodwin and the and Rob Gronkowski and Leonard Fournette and Antonio Brown and you know those guys have come back they make up the foundation of the success that was the 2020 season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not only that you know, a lot of times with the success that a team will have, the coordinators will also receive from some of the uh, accolades and be rewarded for the fruits of their labors. And then an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator will become a head coach or get a head coaching opportunities because um, in some instances, both of them are being black, Todd Bowles and Brian Lepwich, the defensive and offensive coordinators for the team is going are going to be back for Bruce Arians. So this is a situation where, you know, it'll give those guys more opportunity to have a regular off season and continue to develop chemistry and development. If you remember because of the COVID situations last season that, you know, there really wasn't too much time. There really wasn't their normal training camp. And when Brady decided to go to the Buccaneers, I mean, it also took some time off for them to get to know each other of Tampa, Tom and Byron Leftwich and Mike Evans and Godwin and those type of guys. Now, we have a situation where, you know what, those guys are going to have the regular off-season OTAs, training camps to get to know each other. And the thinking is that that's, it's going to make that offense even stronger, even more potent than it was before. Also, for Tampa returning and defending their titles and being successful at it, you're taking a look at the uh, schedule for the Buccaneers, it's the third easiest schedule in the league, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. Outside of their division, if you take a look at the teams in their division, the NFC South, where you have Atlanta rebuilding, you have um, New Orleans going to have to replace Drew Brees when you're speaking about um, who else is in that division? Is it Tampa? there's it Tampa, New Orleans, Atlanta, and uh, who's the last team? The last team, which is really no big deal. But basically, in the NFC South, that should be a division, or that should be a division where Tampa should be the the heavy favorites. Then outside the division, Tampa Bay is going to play the NFC East and the AFC East, as well as the Rams, the Bears, and the Colts. If you take a look at the NFC East, hopefully a team that wins the division will be at least somewhere around 500. But we're speaking about last season, an historically bad. Conference when you speak about the Washington football team, the Washington Snyderettes winning the division with a uh, what six and nine record or is a, a seven and nine record something like that, and you know the Giants, the Cowboys, the train record with the Philadelphia Eagles didn't have a team in that division finish over five hundred. Then you take a look at the AFC East outside of the Buffalo Bills, you have the New England Patriots who are rebuilding, you have the New York Jets who are going to be starting a new quarterback, a rookie quarterback and uh, the in in Miami who should be possibly formidable but they're going to be also having an inexperienced quarterback with Tua Tungabailoa so you take a look again the schedule according to DraftKings third easiest in the league you have a bunch of those guys coming back, almost the entire roster for Tampa coming back, at least the players who we're responsible for the success, and you can see, hey, you know what? Why not have the uh, Tampa Tom Buccaneers go ahead and uh, repeat as Super Bowl champions, or at least be in there? So the Buccaneers have four games only this season against 10-win projected teams, which are the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz starting now. Looks like he's going to be starting after coming off surgery. All right, the Rams, they're going to be good. The 49ers, they're projected. For 10 wins, what happens if Trey Lance becomes the starting quarterback? Are you still going to think that the 49ers are going to reach that projection? And of course, the Buffalo Bills, one of the top three, four, five teams in the NFL going on, going into the season. So everything sets up pretty well for uh, Tampa Bay. Of course, here on Wendell's World of Sports, the podcast, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. Of course, we can sit there and we can say everything is fine and dandy, but of course, everything is going to rely at least on the offense on not just tom brady but he's the man he's the guy he's the seven-time super bowl champion and all those type of things can brady play better can he play just as well or at the age of 44 does this start the decline in tom brady because at 43 years old last season i mean he was really good 4600 yards 40 touchdowns 12 interceptions uh, in the playoffs, he threw for 1,061 yards, 10 more touchdowns. I mean, he was he was the man. He was the man. And, it, and he also revealed last week, this past week, that he did all of those things with a torn MCL. 43 years old, still doing that TB12. Hello. Hello. So now with an entire training camp to gain more chemistry, to gain more continuity with the receivers and the running backs, and better understanding of the playbook, how much more formidable will the Tampa Bay offense be? How much better, even at the age of 44, is Tom Brady going to be this season than he was next season? Just also, not, not just from a statistical standpoint, but just as far as a responsibility to the team standpoint. And you also have to remember, again, not only was Brady late, or not only did Brady not have the full... Deal of learning the playbook and off season and training camp or those type of things that can also apply to Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, and Antonio Brown. So those guys who were important to the team last year, we saw how important Leonard Fournette was to the Buccaneers in that AFC Championship. or excuse me, the NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers, and then going on into the Super Bowl. We saw how much he raised his level of play. Now again, he's going to have an entire offseason, in an entire season with the team to get up to speed and become even better, become even more valuable, get more responsibilities than he did last season. Antonio Brown, who joined the team midway through the season or after the season started, he's going to have a training camp and everything to get to know the notice system of Byron Leftwich. So, again, you put all of that into the mix, Rob Gronkowski coming in, having a full off season now that he's committed to playing football and not thinking and hemming and hawing and deciding whether he's going to stay retired or he's going to come back to football. Now that he made up his mind, he's made up his mind that he's going to continue for years to come, or at least through this season, that he now had an entire season, mentally, off-season, mentally, and physically, to get himself ready for the season. Now, where did that put the Tampa Bay offense as far as with the elite Teams in the NFL, especially again, if you take a look at the NFC, there's some teams that are going to be transitioning to new quarterbacks and new schemes and new systems and such. So as the season went along, man, you know, Tampa, they started getting better and they started getting better and they started getting better, at least offensively. They got more comfortable and they go into the season on an eight-game winning streak. Remember at one point in the season, they were 7-5, and five, and people were talking about, hey, you know what, they need to run the ball a little bit more, the offense is kind of clunky, and it's too uh, pass-reliant, and all those type of things. Well, during that eight-game winning streak, the Buccaneers scored, 30, uh, scored 26, 31, 47, 44, 31, 30, 31, and 31 points. My key to continue this, and we saw this in the Super Bowl. We saw this in the NFC Championship game against the Packers. For Brady to be successful at 44 years old, they're going to need some balance. Now, last season, Tampa was third in the NFL in pass attempts per game. Only behind Kansas City and Dallas, and they were second in passing yardage. I think that has to be a little bit more balanced out. Nine times last season, Brady threw for 40, threw 40 times or more. Four times he threw it 45 or more times. In those games where he threw it over nine times, excuse me, threw it over 40 times, and those nine games, Tampa Bay was six and three contacts. They beat Atlanta twice, the Chargers, Las Vegas, Detroit and the New York Giants. Any of those teams decent? The games that they lost, they lost to Chicago when Brady forgot that it was fourth down, not third down, and they lost to Kansas City Elite and the Los Angeles Rams Elite. So my, my, my deal is there needs to be a little bit more balance to this offense. Again, you can sit there and talk about, well, hey, you know what? You've got Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Hopefully he should be. We see we say this almost every year with Mike Evans. If he's healthy, if he can remain healthy, then we're speaking about one of the elite wide receivers in the game. If Mike Evans can stay healthy, he's got a really good complementary receiver in Godwin on the other side with him. He's got a couple of really good uh, tight ends, not named Rod Gronkowski, as a toy, as toys that Brady can play with. O.J. Howard missed the majority of the season because of injury. Cameron Break is a guy who can uh, who's serviceable. But having Gronkowski now, again, fully invested, fully knowing the path of him wanting to be a football player, him deciding to be a football player, him having an offseason to train like he's going to be playing football, that's going to be a step in the right direction. Are we going to see the Rob Gronkowski who lit it up from the uh, New England days? No, but he can still be a guy that can still be a threat, even if it's just based on reputation alone. Brady, 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 Tom Brady, as I mentioned before, being that guy, being the linchpin, being that responsibility guy. When is Brady going to make that transition? We spoke about going into this season. Tampa Tom, is he going to be better than the last season, just the same last season, or worse? Uh, is this the season at age 44, is he going to start to decline? When is Brady basically going to have to make that transition of being a guy who's going to be able to put the team on his shoulders as far as offensively is concerned? When is he going to make that turn to becoming a stereotypical quote-unquote game-managing QB? When is he going to become less Tom Brady of New England back in the early 2010s and start to become what Peyton Manning was near the end of his career? What... Alex Smith was a quote unquote game manager who needs to rely on the defense, who needs to rely on the pieces around him to help to uplift and elevate him to uh, better stature to help his team win. When is Brady going to make that move? Is it going to be this season? When is it going to be thinking about the quarterbacks, thinking about the quarterbacks here on Wendell's World of Sports, the podcast with George Truly, Wendell Wallace, ranking them, thinking about them as far as responsibilities. How do we do this? How do we rank these NFL quarterbacks? What do we do? Do we just take a look at their stats? Do we take a look at their win-loss record? What do we do? How do you decide who the best quarterback is, who's an average quarterback, who's the bad quarterback? How do you decide that? What do you cons- consider uh, important when you when you're making those decisions in terms of who to rank, where to rank, how to rank them. For me, it's terms of where, in today's game, when you're speaking about the quarterback position, we're speaking about responsibilities and importance to his team on the offensive side of the ball, which then translates to the entire team because we know the most important position on a football team is the quarterback. So when you're speaking about what Tom Brady did last season, it's more about throwing out stats. It's more about just throwing out how many touchdowns and how many yards and how many times he was sacked and all these types of things for me. There's just a milieu of other things going into that stew that I'm cooking for when it comes out and I serve it to you and it's called, the dish is called, the best quarterbacks in the NFL moving on to 2021. I'm not speaking about greatest of all time. I'm not speaking about generational greatness. I'm not speaking about over a period of five or six years. I'm talking about moving into the 2021 season. This season, the season alone, not 2022 or 25, not 2020 or 2018, 20. 20- 21, which quarterbacks, what quarterbacks are at the tier one level, which quarterbacks are elite, which quarterbacks are right below, which quarterbacks are bad. When I start talking about that, when I start putting it down, when I start bringing it out to you, For me, number one, I don't give a damn what your definition of the greatest quarterback going on today for the 2021 season is Patrick Mahomes. You're a fool, you're a clown, and you don't know anything about football if you don't think that Patrick Mahomes is not the best quarterback going on right now. Don't give me Josh Allen. Don't give me anybody else. The best quarterback by any metric, when we're trying to evaluate, when we're trying to put together who the best quarterback is currently in this game of football for the 2021 season, it is... Patrick Mahomes and it's not even that close but when I was thinking about Brady and I'm thinking about where to put him and I'm thinking about his importance and I'm thinking about his responsibility in terms of what he does to help the team win is he more important is he more impactful does he have more responsibilities to say not just Mahomes but an Aaron Rodgers, a Josh Allen, a Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. Well, he's not messing around with massage therapists. Deshaun Watson. Where Because I I think those quarterbacks I just named. I think going into this season, twenty twenty one, not the totality of their careers we're speaking about strictly for 2021 rogers allen wilson jackson prescott even coming off the injury even with the news that uh the, uh, Dak Prescott might not be the Dak Prescott that we, that we thought he was going to be when he decided to sign that contract, that extension with the Dallas Cowboys and come back from that ankle injury. And we all thought that all of a sudden now Dak Prescott was going to pick up where he left off when he got injured. And now we're hearing reports. Now we're speaking about, hey, man, Dak might not get back to that level this season because of shoulder injuries, because of ankle injuries and such. Even with those reports being out there, how much validity do you take to him? I don't know. But whatever the degree is, I still think in terms of importance, I still think in terms of responsibility, the importance of the team being successful, I think that Brady falls behind those quarterbacks that I just mentioned, A.A. Ron Rogers, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson. Now you can sit there and you can argue here on Wendell's World of Sports the Podcast, which yours truly, Wendell Wallace, what the fuck are you talking about, Wendell, again? Goodness gracious, my eyes are rolling, my head and my neck is being thrown back, and I'm calling you all kinds of names, and I'm doing this, that, and the other. How in the world can you sit there, a guy who just won the Super Bowl at the age of 43, the guy who's going down as not just the greatest quarterback of all time, but maybe the greatest football player of all time and the greatest sport of all time, how in the fuck are you going to sit there and tell me, try to convince me that Tom Brady is not as important as a guy like Deshaun Watson coming off a season where... Houston won, what, four games? Yeah, he pulled up the numbers. Yeah, he pulled up the touchdowns. Yeah, he did all this that, and the other. That fucking team won four games. Are you going to try to tell me that Deshaun Watson has more responsibility, has more importance to winning than a guy in Tom Brady who threw forward 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, over 4,000 yards, and, oh, by the way, beat the Green Bay Packers on the road and then beat possibly the dynasty in making the Kansas City Chiefs and whoop their ass 31 to 9 and he did all this at the age of 43 learning a new offense coming in late what the fuck is your problem man are you fucking stupid or something like that what the hell why the hell am i even listening to this podcast hold on hold on before you move on to something else let me give you my reasons let me explain to you my reasons and it goes back to what I mentioned before with Brady going into this season. 2020's over. Tampa Bay got hot at the right time. Oh, and by the way, when Tampa Bay started to get hot, it was nice that they were playing a team like Atlanta who, was, who had an interim coach because they fired Dan Quinn and they were in flux. And they were going nowhere. It was nice for them to play a team like the Detroit Lions. Who, I don't know if Patricia was still there, but I think that game where they blew out the uh, Lions, I think that might have been the final nail of the coffin for them to fire Patricia. But that was a team that was rudderless, leaderless, and going nowhere. So they made good. And they took advantage of being able to play some teams that could have got them going in the right direction after they lost close contests to the Rams and to the Kansas City used to be defending Champions. So they got their mojo back. They got themselves in the groove. And then, hey, in the playoffs, you know, they beat a team that was under 500, but a really good defense in the Washington Snyder skins. Then they went ahead on the road. They beat the New Orleans Saints with an injured Drew Brees. Then they went ahead and uh, beat. Um, on the road, the Green Bay Packers to go to the Super Bowl. And then they took advantage of a Kansas City team that had no offensive line whatsoever to speak of. They mauled, they destroyed, they ate up Patrick Mahomes. Balanced offense, took advantage of a adequate, at best, Kansas City defense, and they did what they needed to do. But if you take a look at those games, if you take a look at those games of importance, Brady, good, Brady, elite consistently being the main focal point of the offense eh, argumentative about if that was truly true and i also take a look for the upcoming season like this brady 44 years old okay for those who want to sit there what he's doing at 44 years old remarkable unbelievable but again he's 44 years old last season he was 43 years old he's doing things that no 43 year old has ever done The man was 43 years old. This season, he's going to be 44 years old. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't give a damn how many green drinks you have. And I've had a lot of them. I've had my kale and my spinach and my garlic and my tomato and my celery and my purple and green cabbage and my Brussels sprouts and my collards and my kale and spinach and my all all mixed in with a apple and a carrot for sweetener if I don't have apple and carrot, I'll use a lime for sweetener. I don't give a damn how many of those green drinks you have. I don't care what you do to take care of yourself. I don't give a damn what you eat. I don't give a damn how much you stretch. I don't give a damn. You don't de-age. The older you get, physically, the worse you get. It might not be as drastic as someone who's not taking care of himself. But Tom Brady, remarkable at 43. He ain't the same guy physically as he was when he was 27, 31, 35. He's not. He's not. But because he has himself in good enough shape at 43, mentally he can still do the things that he can do. But his arm is not stronger. He's not more agile. He's not more limber. He's not faster. He's not quicker. He's not physically stronger. He's not able to take a pounding. As he could when he was in his younger days. Why? Because he's 44, 43 fucking years old. When Ric Flair had his final wrestling match at WrestleMania. When he was like 50 something years old. Yeah, for a 58, 57, 56 year old man. Unbelievable. Awesome. Great this, that, and the other. It wasn't a Ric Flair of 1982. It wasn't a Ric Flair when he was 31, 33 years old. He still put on a hell of a performance, and anybody around our, our age who can watch a man do that is, like, unbelievable, but it wasn't the same as it was when he was younger. Same thing with Edge coming back. Same thing with Christian coming back. Yeah, at 47, these guys are amazing. It wasn't the same. It's not the same. They aren't the same. They're not better than they were physically at 25, 27, 32, 35 years old. Same thing with Tom Brady. Unbelievable for what he's doing, but the man is going to be 40. Four years old and a forty-four-year-old quarterback who would never who was not a genetic freak to begin with in terms of speed, quickness, and strength. Let me ask you something. What would have happened to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl if he had the same offensive line that Patrick Mahomes had? If the Kansas City Champions at the time were putting the same amount of pressure? on Tom Brady that they were Patrick Mahomes, what would have happened? Tom Brady would have gotten destroyed. Tampa would not have been winning a championship. I don't give a damn what play call you have. I don't give a damn how great Tom Brady is. I don't give a damn how many green drinks he has. I don't care if he sleeps in the hyperbolic chamber or not. I don't care what his diet is. I don't care. A 43-year-old Tom Brady, yes, coming off a regular season where he threw for over 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, over 1,000 yards in the playoffs. I don't give a damn about any of that nonsense. I don't care a damn about how dialed in Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians was with the uh, play calling for the offense. I don't give a damn about how great the defense was for Todd Bowles um, and Tampa. The Buccaneers were not winning that game if the offensive line for Tampa resembled anything that the Kansas City football team was putting down for Patrick Mahomes. And the fact that Patrick Mahomes was making some of the plays that he did, just once again, concreted my reasoning for Patrick Mahomes being the best quarterback in the league by far going into this season. So again, how great, how wonderful, how awesome would have Brady been in the Super Bowl if he didn't have the same offensive if he had the same offensive line that Patrick Mahomes had? How successful was Brand, how successful would Brady have been with that same offensive line that Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson had to play for? Where both of those guys were running for their lives on a consistent basis? How successful would a 43-year-old Tom Brady, regardless of how great he was and still is, regardless of how smart he was, regardless of how well he knows the offense, if he had to play behind an offensive line of Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, if he was in Seattle and had to play with that offensive line, how much better would the Seattle Seahawks and the Houston Texans be with Tom Brady at their quarterback instead of Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson? I think with the circumstances that those guys had to play behind, that Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson performed, would have performed better than Tom Brady. You speak about Brady, what happened if he had the same type of receivers as Lamar Jackson has right now? Would his statistics be as impressive? if if you're talking about the wide receiving core for the Baltimore Ravens compared to what he got to throw to with the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, how much more responsibility would Brady have if Tampa Bay had the same defensive capabilities that the Dallas Cowboys had last year where Brady is always trying to bring them back, where you have to put up 35, 42 points a game. Why? Because their defense would be so horrible that pulling up 24, 28 points a game would not be enough. That that Prescott, before he got injured, was putting up insane numbers and because Dallas defense was so poor, they were still losing games. So with those responsibilities, with that responsibility, how great would Tom Brady have been? Is Tom Brady leading that Dallas Cowboy team to the Super Bowl? To the playoffs? To a division title? Would Tom Brady... Get the Baltimore Ravens farther. Would Tom Brady have a better record with the Baltimore Ravens as their quarterback as Lamar Jackson? Because one of the strengths of the Baltimore Ravens is their running game and Lamar Jackson in the in the backfield still learning how to be a passer, but because of his running capabilities, it opens off the offense and makes the offense more potent. And also because of lack of wide receivers, the leading receiver for Baltimore for the last couple of years has been uh, their tight end. Would Tom Brady be more successful than Lamar Jackson? I think not. Would he be more successful playing for Texas or playing for Houston and Seattle with the same responsibilities that Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson have to deal with? some Some of the weaknesses of that team? Would Tom Brady be the elixir to the problems that would be facing those teams, especially offensively? No. No. So when I'm speaking about, when I'm talking about lining them up in terms of the importance is this concern, Tom Brady, who, look, there's no shame in being behind Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and Deshaun Watson. So we're speaking about what Brady at the very least, or at the very most, he's one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. So Brady is still top 10 of a quarterback? If you're a top ten quarterback, you still have the you still have the ability to lead your team to a championship to win a championship. Even today's game, where the quarterback has so much responsibility, so this is not a knock on Brady. This is not a diss on Brady. The fact that the man is 44 years old and he's still better than over half the quarterbacks in the NFL is remarkable. It's unbelievable. It's legendary. It's great. But for Tampa to I think return and become a Super Bowl champion. Vibe for that Super Bowl. Vibe for that repeat. I don't think Brady's going to be able to have the same season as he did last season. I'm counting on Tom Brady. Yes, even with the full training camp. Yes, everything that I just mentioned to their advantage. Yes, even with the um, uh, the strength of schedule not being the hardest. I think Brady. I don't. I don't. I don't want to use the word Brady takes a step backwards. But I think Brady having the same type of season, at least statistically, is, is not going to happen. I don't think he's going to have that great of a season statistically. Now, is he going to fall off the map? No, I didn't say that. I just said that statistically, he's not going to have the same impact that he had last season. So what does that mean? That means we're going to have to make sure that some of these guys, the skill players and such that are surrounding Tampa Tom, elevate in, uh, you know elevate their game. Mike Evans, again, can we please stay healthy? Um, The player that I'm looking at, who should be able to take the next step and really help this team more than anybody else, more than Gronkowski, more than Antonio Brown, more than Chris Godwin, more than Leonard Fournette, more than OJ Howard, more than uh, Mike Evans. The player that I'm looking for to make the biggest leap and become that impactful player for Tampa, even maybe be their offensive MVP, is Ronald Jones. Going into a third year, last season he ran for 917 yards. This season in training camp, he's been the best Tampa Bay running back by far. I think this is going to be the guy going into a third season, as I mentioned again. I expect this guy to rush for at least 1,200, 1,300 yards, 1,400 yards. I think that he can be that kind of a a running back. And if he can do that, then yeah, we're, we're talking about Tom Brady throwing less. Tom Brady taking less hits, and at 44 years old, that is advantageous for that to happen. So, Buccaneer schedule, man. Buccaneer season's going to be interesting. We take a look at the major competition for Tampa in this season, the NFC, Green Bay, the Rams. That should be their greatest competition. Green Bay, step for step, right there with Tampa. Aaron Rodgers had his best season last season. They resigned one of the best all-around running backs, and Aaron Jones brought back Randall Cobb just to make Rodgers happy, placate to his his ego, and say, "See, see, Aaron, we care about you." Devontae Adams is still legit number one receiver on a championship team. Um, can the defense play consistent enough to get Green Bay to the championship? If it wasn't for a couple of the miscues by the wide receiver, we wouldn't even be having this this uh, discussion because it would have been Green Bay in the Super Bowl, not uh, Tampa Bay. So. You're speaking, you're speaking about the Rams. Matthew Stafford, is that good enough for the Rams to make it past Tampa Bay? They've got a strong defense. Aaron Donald, the best defensive lineman in the past couple of years. Still doing a thing. Jalen Ramsey, one of the elite corners, safeties, anywhere you want to play him. Still back there. So we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, you know, Tampa, Tom, and the Buccaneers, man. We didn't even go over top bowls in the defense. I still think they're going to be solid. I still think they're going to be good. So for Tampa to get back to uh, the Super Bowl, for Tampa to maintain, yes, the offseason, yes, important. Getting those guys in, getting those guys rep, chemistry, developing relationships on the football field of where we need to be, when we need to be there, this, that, and the other, all important. But, man, if you're going to rely on Tampa Tom to be Tampa Tom, This season that he was last season, Uh uh balance my man, balance Ronald Jones, balance on the running game, balance Byron Leftwich. Let's start making that transition now, not fully, to have Tom Brady be that quote-unquote game manager, but sometime down the road this season, depending upon injuries, depending upon what happens, Tampa Tom is going to have to be game managing Tom. Is that good enough to be... Having Tom Brady as your game-managing quarterback to win the Super Bowl, Ronald Jones, that offensive line, and the skill players are going to have to take over that responsibility along with the defense and say, as far as winning a Super Bowl, with Tampa Tom being the game-managing quarterback, yes, we can. Windows World and Sports. I'm your host, Wall is So glad that you could be with us. Last segment of the program. Last segment of the program. Sit back, relax. It's the last segment of the program. Make sure your seats are in the upright position. If this is the last segment of the program, make sure you picked up everything. Last segment of the program. Make sure that everything that you came into here with, that you're leaving with, because this is the last segment of the program. Windows World of Sports. I'm your host, Wonder Wall is so glad that you could be with us talking about what's happening in the world of sports, man. I guess uh Next week, I'm recording this on a uh, Thursday afternoon, so next week, I'm going to be a mesquite all next week, trying to see what what I can do to uh, change the lives of the young folks out there, so people my age and my generation can sit back, relax when we're too old to be working, and make sure that I'm doing what I need to do to move this world, to move this society in the right direction, just my own little small contribution, not trying to be I'm not trying to be king. I'm not trying to be X. I'm not trying to be Gandhi. I'm just trying to do my little part to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, I add some uh, good points on my resume. So when judgment day comes, whenever that comes, whether it be in five seconds or five decades from now, I can go ahead and say, you know what? What I did to contribute and represent you, I think I did halfway. All right. Wasn't perfect, but uh, I did the best I could. So there you go. So I'm going to try to get into this clubhouse. Um, I get the clubhouse app. I'm going to start trying to do some things, man. I'm just doing these podcasts and doing them over and over again. I need to start expanding. I need to start thinking outside the box. I need to start uh, doing some other things. So I got a YouTube page I never work on. I got myself Twitter. I got myself on some social media platforms. But I need to uh, do a few more things. I need to first get a a webpage. That would be a good idea. And start uh, seeing what I need to do to expand Wendell's World in Sports, the podcast. Because every week... Two times a day, two times a week, whatever. I come out here and I'm rip-roaring, ready to go. I try to give you everything I've got in terms of what's happening in the world of sports. I try to give it to you with an entertainment value. I try to give it to you with a little bit of passion. I try to give you a little bit of energy. I try to do what I need to do to keep you engaged, to keep you enthralled, to keep you listening to my podcast. And I think I do a halfway decent job of it. Um, But, man, I need to start uh, seeing what I can do to reach out more and more and more to get this thing rocking and a rolling wendell's world of sports that is the name of the podcast yours truly Wendell Wall talking about what's happening in the world of sports. The last segment, um, training camp. Let's go ahead and talk about a little bit of training camp in the NFL so far. This preseason's been all about the quarterback battles. We've had some battles, quarterbacks in New England. We've had some quarterback battles in New Orleans. We've had some quarterback battles in Chicago, which I'm going to be talking about. Denver, the Broncos. Just named Teddy Bridgewater the starter over Drew Locke on Wednesday. This was a race that the Broncos head coach Vic Fangio said it was too close to call on Tuesday. So I don't know exactly what the uh, final nail in the coffin for Drew Locke trying to become the starting quarterback, franchise quarterback, future quarterback for the Denver Broncos was. But between Tuesday and now Wednesday, Fangio and the coaching staff and the owners and the upper management made the decision to go with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. So there you go. He and the coaching staff hadn't been able to make a decision yet because both Bridgewater and Locke had performed so well. All right. So Bridgewater, who came into the team via a trade in April, had excellent performances in both preseason and and in the training camp, you take a look at the two preseason games. Yeah, he was doing very well. 16 and 19, 179 yards, two touchdowns. Most importantly, Teddy Bridgewater type didn't turn the ball over, didn't take a single sack. I'm quite sure on those 16 completions and 19 pass attempts, I'm quite sure that they weren't down the field. I'm quite sure they weren't uh, something that uh, might be defined as reckless or anything like that. I mean, you know, he is the antithesis of what Brett Favre is when you're speaking about Teddy Bridgewater playing quarterback. He's going to do just what you need to do to win football games. Is he a Super Bowl winning quarterback? No. Does he have the moxie? Does he have the guile? Does he have the arm? Does he have the talent to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback? In all essence, probably not. But he is a solid professional football quarterback. So there you go. Fangio also praised Bridgewater as a standout in practice also. So on top of doing well in the limited time he had in the preseason games, he's also done very well in practice. Locke this preseason, Drew Locke, 14 of 21, 231 yards, two touchdowns and eight drives this preseason. And uh, just didn't do enough, according to Fangio. He knows more about the game of football than I do. So his decision, all right. All right. If you say so, if you think so, if that's the consensus amongst the coaching staff as such, all right. But depending how Bridgewater plays this season, I guess you could say this should be the final nail in the Drew Lock could be a franchise quarterback for the Denver Broncos era. That's now that's now gone. That's now done. That is now over. They need some stability there. Now Bridgewater is still relatively young. It seems like he's been in the league forever, but he's still not at the age of 32, 33, yet the exact age I know, don't know for sure, but um, the Broncos need some type of stability at the, at the quarterback position. This is their, fir, fir, uh, their fifth week one starter in five seasons and their eighth quarterback overall in the same time, time span to uh, take a snap on center for Denver. The last quarterbacks to start two straight seasons was Trevor, Trevor Simeon in 2016 and 2017 and Trevor Simeon career did not parallel that of uh John Elway not even close to Brian Greasy so look Locke was selected in the second round of the 2019 NFL draft with the intention of becoming the quarterback of the future for the Denver Broncos they had run few a couple of them before didn't get the job done on that one some being first round draft picks so they went with Locke and uh You know, last season he showed that, look, man, you know, he was a second-round draft pick who wasn't really ready to uh, take the reins of being a a franchise quarterback, struggled leading the NFL in total turnovers at 19, with the worst completion percentage, somewhere around 57% in the league, and had the 32nd passer rating with 75.4. And you also have to remember that this was also a guy, along with the two other quarterbacks, this past season for the Broncos who came down with COVID, which caused Denver to go into a football game without an established quarterback um, playing for them that week. So, I don't know exactly what the tall tale sign is. I don't know exactly. I mean, we can always, you know, if you're a Drew Locke, you can always, uh, you know, say that there's a possibility I might get back in. I might get another chance. We're speaking about the NFL here. We're speaking about a 17-week game, uh, week season. We're speaking about Teddy Bridgewater. So there might be a situation where if he gets injured, then Locke might get another opportunity. I don't think Bridgewater is going to play bad enough to where he's going to be the problem for the Broncos to go to a quarterback change. If, if this was a situation where it was like, look, you know, we're two and seven, we're not doing well. We're facing the reality that we're not going to be, we're not going to meet the expectations that we wanted to meet. And we're just going to be now going in a rebuilding mode and this, that, and the other. So, you know, a guy like Bridgewater, who has bounced around such since tearing up his knee in Minnesota that, you know, we're going to go ahead and jettison that idea and bring in, Drew Locks and see what he can do. I don't don't know if that's ever going to be the scenario with Teddy Bridgewater at your quarterback. I just think that he's competent enough to not be the problem if a team is not doing well overall or not doing well from the offensive standpoint. So this is a situation where look, if well, if it was a situation where they were going to be looking toward the future, the far future, they would be doing it with the second round draft pick who's in the second year who coach went on the record and said that it was a tight battle between bridgewater and um and drew Locke, but that's not the case that's not the case this looks like to me a guy in Vic fangio who's making this move also with the implication of hey look man i need to save my job You know, I'm going into my third season in Denver with a combined record of 12 and 20. I went 5 and 11 last season after going 7 and 9 in in, in my rookie season. I I can't afford to go 6 and 11. I can't afford to go 4 and 13 or something like that. I'm, I'm one of these coaches on the hot seat. So which quarterback right now between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater gives me the best chance to save my job? And I think this is a situation where he went with teddy bridgewater so we'll see look drew lock did everything humanly possible after last season he was a guy who admitted his mistake in terms of coming down with COVID, not being um a a real good leader in that sense so this past all season he spent a lot of time at the practice facility in denver going over plays you know uh, trying to improve his craft in april he uh had a session with Peyton Manning in terms of how to uh, improve his watching of game film and what he can take and what he can learn from that. So, I mean, Drew Locke this summer showed that he was pretty dedicated to his craft, and yet and still, he still was unable to beat out Teddy Bridgewater for the starting quarterback position for the Broncos. So, moving forward, let's see what that means. Moving forward, let's see what that happens. It's a long season in the NFL, so... It'll be interesting to see what happens between the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater, Vic Fangio, the head coach, and Drew Locke. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. Speaking about must-wins, speaking about doing whatever it takes to win, speaking about the best player going to play, regardless of who he is, how much money he's going to make, what experience he has, what round he was drafted in, the New England Patriots. Matt Jones versus Cam Newton. Now, Moving into the game after Philadelphia where Cam played maybe his best game as a New England Patriots since last uh, season's game against the Seattle Seahawks, yet albeit in small doses in that game against uh, Philadelphia, it looked like that Newton had the upper hand on landing the starting position as quarterback for the New England Patriot, but... He was away from the team until this past Thursday, until today, due to a quote-unquote misunderstanding on COVID-19 tests conducted away from NFL facilities. Now, according to this team, the T team statement regarding this, Newton's absence came after he traveled to a Patriots-approved medical appointment that required him to leave the New England region. He received daily COVID tests, which were all negative. Due to a misunderstanding, though, about the test conducted away from NFL facilities and as required by NFL, NFL PA protocols, Cam was subjected to the five-day entry cadence process before returning to the facility. So basically, you know, if you leave if you leave a place, if you leave an area, you have to get uh, revaccinated or you have to once again wait a little bit longer. So while well, M- Newton missed five days of practice, missed multiple days of practice, Mac Jones was like, "Oh, okay, cool. Here's my open, here's my opportunity, here's my opening. Let me go ahead and take it." And his performance Wednesday in the Patriots 150 man 150 minute joint uh practice with the New York Giants, Jones was awesome. Between warm-up drills, 7 on 7, 11 on 11s, Jones had close to 175 throws during this time. Cam Newton nowhere to be found because of a technicality in the NFL protocols. And between the competitive 7-on-7 and 11-on-11 drills, Jones, passing, he was 29 for 32. He's looking good. He's getting the reps with the first team. He's impressing. He's putting stuff down. And Cam Newton is nowhere to be found. So combine those throws... With Jones' workout during Monday's fully padded practice and Tuesday's shell practices, Jones has probably thrown it close to 500 times in total this week. 500 more opportunities for Jones to tell Bill Belichick why he should be the starting quarterback week one, September 12th, against the Miami Dolphins instead of Cam Newton. That's according to Tom Curran, who is a Patriots insider who's been at practice. That's a, that's what he was reporting in terms of all of the throws that Mac Jones got to do in front of coaches McDaniel's and Belichick and such, close to 500 while Newton was away because of uh, COVID protocols. So. What does that mean? Where are we going with that? What's the definition? What is this leading to? Kid coach Bill Belichick has not made a decision on who will start a quarterback and when that decision will be made. He says, you know what, y'all? I'll let you know. And other than, other than that, don't bug me. I guess this is a situation where he wants to dot the I's, cross the t's. I'm quite sure he hasn't told Jones or Newton who's ahead, who's he thinking about, who has the better chance, who has the better opportunity. He's just going to let the things play out. So, why would he tell the media when he's probably had not even told his, uh, the players that are in the, the competition. So New England's going to play their last preseason game against the New York Giants on Sunday before starting the regular season against uh, Miami September 12th. So this is a situation even after the game against New York, there's a little bit of time he has to decide on who's going to be the starter coming up on uh, September 12th against the Dolphins. The key is, though, is that... You were thinking. then again, here I go. Let me tell you, I'm asking, I'm telling, I'm talking. I'm playing head coach, trying to be a head coach here on my podcast. Bill Belichick knows, about, knows more about this than I do, but my thought and process would be, look, you have two dynamic, distinct uh, quarterbacks in the way they play. Cam Newton athletic this that the other more of a pocket presence for Matt Jones staying in the pocket those guys run different types of offenses so if you're Bill Belichick you want to go ahead and name a starter when the going is good so you can go ahead and you can have you and Josh McDaniels and such put together an offensive game plan if you're this is not a situation where you can go one one in one out one in one out that type of thing because again you would have to run almost an entirely different offense for Cam Newton than you would for Mac Jones. So whatever... Whenever Bill Belichick decides on who's going to be the quarterback for the New England Patriots and be the starter for that week one, sooner the better, so they can go ahead and not just have Mac Jones and not just have the offensive coordinator; those two guys be on the same page about what they want to do, but also you're speaking about the rest of the offensive players, not just the skill players. We're speaking about the offensive line, the the wide receivers, tight end so on and so forth. The New England Patriots were not very good last year. In fact, they weren't good at all last year. It was stunning. It was interesting. It was fascinating to see Belichick in that situation. He really hasn't had a look-see like that in almost 20 years. So to see Belichick and the New England Patriots play as poorly as they did when compared to their standards in the past and all the money that the Patriots spent in free agency to upgrade their offense and such, um, you would think the key to getting that motor humming and moving in the right direction is to decide on a quarterback between Newton and Mac Jones and then move forward. With that, so Bill Belichick, of course, he had the cachet, of course, he had the resume, of course, he had the experience, of course, he has the magnificence, of course, he has uh, everything where he doesn't need to make a decision based on, oh, my goodness gracious, I need to go ahead and do this because my job is on the line, Bill Belichick is not only thinking about the um present today he's also thinking about the future as far as the job situation is concerned that's the reason why if he goes with Mac Jones he doesn't have to worry about if this flops if this fails all of a sudden now the scuttlebutt all of a sudden now the opinion shows all of a sudden the word on the street is, is that I might be in jeopardy in terms of keeping my job for as long as I want to as being the head coach of the New England Patriots so but this with Bill Belichick Bill Belichick is always in win now mode if he's in win-now mode, that was one of the reasons why I said, well, Cam Newton was going to be the guy, because I think because of based on what he saw, based on experience, based on game film, based on NFL experience from the quarterback position, that Belichick would go with a known, more known commodity rather than Mac Jones, who, you know, basically what, has been doing this against second and third string defensive teams in the preseason. So... <clears throat> I think that Belichick always wanted to give Cam Newton another shot. This is a guy who came in late. This is a guy who really didn't have a training camp with the team last season. This was a guy who suffered COVID and suffered the after effects from COVID for a while. All of those things played into Cam Newton not having a very good season. So I think Belichick wanted to try one more time, this time with a full camp, this time, this time with Newton being positive free, that we can go ahead and see that um, he deserves the opportunity to be the starter for the New England Patriots, not just for week one, but moving forward. And again, it looked like Newton had a pretty good grip, pretty good grasp on the starting position after Philadelphia where he finished completing eight of nine passes for 103 yards, a touchdown. He didn't record a rushing attempt, which is good. Led the team to two touchdown drives in three uh, series. So he looked pretty good. He looked really good. But then this mishap happened, and Jones seized that opportunity. So, look, for the season, for the preseason, you know, Mac has been completing... 26 of a 38 pass attempts. We're speaking about a percentage close to 68 and a half percent. 26 of 38 for 233 yards through the first two contests. I can understand where Belichick is coming from. Wants to go ahead with the guy who's been doing it for years and years and years and against true NFL competition. And we don't know exactly how Jones is going to respond once the lights are on for real and these games start counting. But uh, time will tell. Time will tell on that one. So, there you go. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Last segment of the program, speaking about the camp battles, the NFL battles in terms of the quarterback position, who's going to be the starter, who's going to be the backup, this, that, and the other. Spoke about the competition between New England, Mac Jones, and Cam Newton. Talked about the Denver Broncos situation, Teddy Bridgewater being named a starter over Drew Locke. Now we head over to New Orleans. The battle between James, famous Jameis Winston and Tyson Hill seems like after the game, Monday night game this past week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that Winston has a pretty secure hold on the starting quarterback position against Jacksonville. Yes, albeit Jacksonville, the team that finished 1-15 going through transition. But in the game at home against Jacksonville on Monday, Winston, 9-10 passing, 123 yards, two touchdowns. The Saints scored on two of the three drives that he was in for through two beautiful balls. They were nicely uh, caught, too, but put it right on the money for the receiver to make a play on it, not the defensive back. Uh, moved the ball down the field, threw, threw the ball down the field. He was very impressive Again, albeit one quarter, not even a one-quarter full against one of the worst teams in the NFL. So after that, it looked like that, uh, you know, Winston is the guy. Against Baltimore in the preseason opener, yeah, he was 7-12 for 96 yards, one touchdown, one interception, gave Hill the advantage, gave Hill the opportunity to see what he can do to – uh get back in the race or to increase his lead or to maintain the area where he was at in terms of vying for the quarterback position. But against Jacksonville, that same team where Winston was 9-10 and two touchdown scores and such, Hill struggled. Jacksonville, worst team in the NFL with their backups. Didn't do well. Didn't take advantage of any opportunities to to, uh, secure the starting quarterback position against the Jaguars, 11 for twenty. 138 yards, one touchdown pass, seven yards rushing per attempt. And on six possessions, 31 offensive snaps, only led to nine points. New Orleans was in the position to make another score, but the kicker missed a field goal. But uh, he was 0-3 on third down, took two sacks. Both on third downs, intentional grounding. So look, over the last two preseason games, or these two preseason games so far, Winston 16 of 22, at 72% for 219 yards and three touchdowns with one interception. And Hill only 19 of 32 passing, which is 59%. 219 yards on his 19 of 32 passing with one touchdown and one interception. I, I, I say this, with Sean Payton knowing a lot more about football than I am. But look, man, when you're talking about the competition between Jameis Winston and um, Jameis Winston and Tayson Hill, Winston is a better quarterback. Hill is a better football player. Hill is more of a natural athlete. Winston is a better quarterback. So you don't win championships with athletes playing quarterback. You win championships with a true quarterback, with a natural uh, playing quarterback. Winston is naturally a quarterback. Tayson Hill is a football player. Football players playing quarterback do not win championships. And can we please kind of and I, I know, look, everyone's going to point to 30 interceptions, 30 interceptions, 30 interceptions. I get that. I understand that. And when you have an opportunity to get Tom Brady at the time, 42 years old, even though he's 42 or 43 years old, whenever he decided that he was interested in going to Tampa Bay, that you know what, it's about time that we kind of move away from Jameis Winston. But still, this is the guy who also that season in 2019 where he threw 30 interceptions. He had 33 touchdowns and threw for over 5,000 yards. Only the 8th player in NFL history to do that. Look, times have changed. Passing concepts have changed. Rules have changed to accentuate the offense even more, especially the passing game, but still, I don't give a damn. 5,000 yards is still 5,000 yards. 33 touchdowns is still 33 touchdowns, and unfortunately for Jameis Winston and his fans, 30 interceptions is... 30 interceptions so he goes to new orleans resurrect his career the talent is there the former number one pick from florida state the talent is there and there's some good things that you can chip away there from there's some good things that you can polish there's some good things that you can rebuild there's some good things that you can add on to there's some good things about jamon's Woodson's game that you can improve on i mean this is a guy in five years that's the starting quarterback for the Buccaneers coming out again of Florida State <clears throat> being the number one draft pick, right behind right ahead of Marcus Mariota. Look, this is a guy who started all 16 games in three of his five years. And in the possible 80 games that he played, that he that that's been there, that's been played, he's played in seventy two of them. So this is a guy who's actually gonna show up <clears throat> the high majority of times. And we think about how many times quarterbacks have been injured throughout the same time period and the games that they missed because of injury. At least with Jameis Winston, you know that this is a guy, again, three out of the five years that he was in Tampa, played 16 whole games. The one year he missed, uh, how many games did he He miss? One year, I think he missed two or three games. And so the other is he missed four or five. So also in his five years, with Tampa, Winston throw for 121 touchdowns and over 4,000 yards in three seasons. Sean Payton has to take a look at that. Sean Payton has to take a look at that talent. Sean Payton has to take a look at that production. Sean Payton knows Jameis Winston's game with the fact that him being the head coach in New Orleans, the same time that Jameis Winston was a quarterback for Tampa playing against him twice a year, I think that Sean Payton would have a pretty good idea what James, James Winston can and can't do. And coming from a system in Tampa where it was risky or biscuit with Bruce Arians, you know, in 628 pass attempts, James Winston was encouraged to try to make some throws where, you know what, the chances of it either being intercepted or incomplete are pretty high. So now he goes to a a better offensive system, probably for him, having a coach in... Um, having a coach <clears throat> and Sean, Payton, excuse me, and Sean Payton, who can uh, work on some of his weaknesses. Hey man, I think this is a good idea. And again, you don't want to take away what Tayson Hill brings to the uh, table just as an all-around football player, whether it be running back, whether it be situational quarterback possessions, whether it be tight end, whether it be special teams, whether it be wide receiver. There's a multitude of ways that Tayson Hill could be impactful for your football team, namely the New Orleans Saints, for them to win, that if all of a sudden now you put him at the quarterback position, they're hamstringing some of the things for the team in terms of what he can do to help you win. So I think the role that Taysom Hill has, number one, he's being paid handsomely well. So I think, again, situational quarterback, he can be the backup quarterback, but, uh, you know, the new slash uh, for the new Cordell Stewart for the New Orleans Saints, Taysom Hill, you keep him in that role. I think his role is more valuable in that regard than it would be. Uh, if he were just a starting quarterback. Hill was even saying himself to get ready for the competition that you know he trained a lot differently in the offseason than he would be normally. I'm quite sure in the offseason when he was just a jack amongst trades. I mean, here's a guy who had to work on the blocking, had to work on his catching, had to work on reading, had to work on this, that, and the other. He focused solely on quarterbacking this offseason, and I think as far as the team is concerned, I don't think that would be the right move Wendell's world and sports i'm your host wendell wallace so glad that you could be with us let me end with the situation in chicago the quarterback situation between andy dalton and justin fields bears got blown out at home this past saturday 41 to 15 by the uh by the buffalo bills you know who's the uh, backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills? You betcha. None other than Mitchell Trubisky, who came back to Soldier Field and looked pretty good. So when the starters, when the presumptive starter for now, Andy Dalton, was in the game, the Bears started chanting, we want Fields, we want Fields. And when Fields got into the game, he got a huge ovation. The first preseason game that Justin Fields Fields played 14 for four, uh, 20, 142 yards, Look good. So the Chicago Bears fan, who I guess hadn't had a halfway decent quarterback since Sid Luckman before Jim McMahon came along for a couple of seasons. I mean, they're yearning, they're burning, they're wanting to see a quarterback who can, uh, you know, have some ha- have the ability to to be a true franchise quarterback, something, something they haven't had. Not even Vince Evans could fill the bill. So here comes Justin Fields, and, you know, you have Matt Nagy talking about, hey, you know what, I'm still going to go with Andy Dalton. I'm still going to go with Andy Dalton. I think, I'm thinking to myself, is Matt Nagy making this decision because he's trying to, A, win respect or keep his respect in the locker room, or B, might be thinking that his job might be in jeopardy. So the person who gives me the best chance to win right now is going to be Andy Dalton. I don't, I don't I don't, know in a situation like this, as well as Justin Fields' play, that all of a sudden you're going to go ahead and um, start... Andy Dalton for a few games. And then when the team is two and three or two and five, you're going to go ahead and make the move to Justin Fields. I say, Hey, look, man, in a situation like this, get the kid out there. Now I'm not for practice. I'm not in practice. I'm not in film study. I'm not uh, talking about this with my offensive coordinator. And I haven't been a coach in the NFL ever, but still I'm thinking to myself. I mean, if we're just going to move forward with this, get him out there and, and let's see how he goes. So, Yeah, we want Fields, and when Fields came in, he got a huge ovation. You know, for the game itself, hey, look, man, Dalton, 11 for 17, 146 yards and a touchdown. Fields with 9 of 19 with no no TDs and got lit up pretty well off a a safety blitz. So, so, uh, you know, what Fields said about the booing of Dalton after the game showed maturity, showed leadership. He said, I noticed it. Of course, the fans are awesome. But they also have to realize Andy is a human being too. Andy is out there on the field right now. So I really think it's hard. It's kind of disrespectful to Andy, them cheering my name like that. They have to trust each other. They have to trust in coach to make sure he's making the right decisions and cheer Andy on. And that's not helping Andy play better, cheering, them cheering my name. So that's, uh, that's a pretty good response. Of course, what's he going to say? Fuck yeah, they should be cheering my name. I should be the starting quarterback. Where did this this bum come along? Especially after um, Dalton made the decision, made the comment about, yeah, you know, uh, Justin's going to be great. He's going to be awesome. But right now is my time. Look, Andy Dalton, you know what you got. You know what you have. As of right now in his career, Andy Dalton is a backup quarterback. Nothing more, nothing less. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't understand the thinking of Matt Nagy. Again, is he trying to keep the respect of the locker room? Because some of the veterans are like, hey man, put the guy out there who's going to give us the best chance to win. But I don't know. For me, it would be Justin Fields all the way. But sometime around this season, Justin Fields will be getting a look at the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. He will be the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. My deal is, if you're going to... Play him in week five, six, or seven. Why not go ahead and play him in week one? Especially when you've seen what he's done in these preseason games. I'm not there in the film room, I'm not there on the practice field, I'm not there on the meetings, I'm not there on the locker room. In the locker room, but from the small snippet of information that I have with my eyes watching the screen and watching him play. It's like, doesn't seem that much of a difference to me. And like I mentioned before, we don't know exactly what Justin Fields is going to do. We do know in terms of the ceiling and the limitations and the expectations that Andy Dalton would have as a starting quarterback in the NFL. starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears, Andy Dalton, is not going to get you to the playoffs. It's not going to make you better than the Green Bay Packers. It's not going to get you anywhere near the Super Bowl. So if that's not going to be the case, why not start this journey right now, this season, early on in the season, early on in the regular season, first game of the regular season, with Justin Fields to see what you've got. But I don't know, man. That's it for me. I am done. I am finished. I am out of here. I'm good. I'm all those things in the bag of chips. want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast, Wendell's World of Sports. I'll be back, stronger, rip, roaring, ready to go, losing some weight, feeling good. Remember, man, in totality, in everything in life, man, you do it 100%. And also, love, peace, unity, harmonize, get to know each other, learn from each other, respect each other. We need to do this, not for our generation, we're too far gone, but for our children's generation and their children, their children, moving this world in the right direction through love, peace, unity, harmony, understanding, education, intelligence, knowledge, knowledge of self, and everything that goes in between from your wife, from your wife, from your father, to your husband, to your mother, to your kids, to your aunts, to your uncle, to your friends, to your homies, to your homegirls, each and every person. Learn, live, listen, educate, harmonize, unify. Peace. Wendell's World of Sports. Music.